Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for the gift of this day. Lord God, this day presents us with an amazing opportunity. An amazing opportunity to be reconciled to you. To be reconciled to one another. To live in peace and grace and harmony. Lord God, a day in which we can lift up our request to you. Lord, and our requests take our go into the very throne room of your presence. And Lord, we pray, we pray that you would speak today to us, that you would powerfully reveal yourself in the midst of this service. Lord, that you would give me your words for this sermon, that I might be faithful in proclaiming them. And Lord, pray that you would be with all of us and so profoundly fill us with your presence, that you drive out all darkness, Lord and all fear. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Morning. Morning. It is so great to see you all today. I'm so glad to be back with you again. I miss you when I'm away, and I'm so thrilled to be back. Now, um, today I'm talking about something not so fun, at least my uh, illustration's not so fun, because for the last two months I've been journeying with a family. Uh, and I've known this family for most of my life. I've been close friends with this family, all the members of this family, and they've been neighbors to me um, all growing up. They just are people I really love and care for and know very well. But the mother of this family was diagnosed with terminal and untreatable brain cancer two months ago. And so we've been on this journey together, this journey toward what's next. What is next in life? Now that's a diagnosis that no one wants to hear, right? If you polled 10 people, 10 out of 10 would say, I don't want terminal brain cancer, right? And yet, it is it has been a tremendous opportunity for us. Opportunity for us to talk about things we often skirt around in life. Opportunity to, to be honest with each other about how we feel, about what we're wrestling with what we're afraid of, what we're hopeful for, and an opportunity for us to really have some great discussions about God and His presence and work in our lives. Right? It's presented amazing opportunities for us and, and brought us all together in a way that I would have never imagined possible before. Now, the sad news is that it has changed a hopeful and vibrant life to one that on Friday, this last Friday, ended in death. And it's sad. It's sad. She wasn't, it wasn't the time yet. I was hoping we had many more decades of life together. But the Lord had chosen that day to take her to himself. Now, but that journey, that journey that we went on together, that journey towards faith and trust was remarkable. And it's changed me. And all of us who were a part of it. Because it was never just me and her talking in the room. There were always her kids, her husband, her friends, her sister... Neighbors, people were always there in the midst of this discussion. So it's really a beautiful thing we got to all share together. Now today, we're going to switch gears a little bit, and we are going to be looking at our second reading, which is a passage from James. Now in this passage, we're presented with some really thought-provoking spiritual realities, and in particular, some, some ideas about healing and health and life and salvation that it would do us well to wrangle over. So I hope you all wore your Wranglers today, because we're going to be uh, wrestling with some of these questions. So this begins, 
You got your Wranglers on? All right, well done, Ray. Well, you chose the right day. Okay, this passage begins with a series of questions. Are any among you suffering? We, the implicit answer is yes, right? And so the answer is, well, they should pray. They should pray. When you're suffering, you should pray. Are any of you cheerful? So we assume that somebody around here is going to say yes. And the answer is, well, then they should sing songs of praise. That seems like sound advice, right? And those first two questions and answers kind of flow naturally and easily. They don't present a whole lot of challenge to us. But then we get to the good stuff. Are any among you sick? Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. Now this is where the rubber meets the road in James, right? Where faith intersects with life profoundly. Being sick. Anyone ever been sick before? What was the first thing you did once you got sick and you realized you you weren't just going to get better real quick? You called the church? You're the only person who's ever answered that, Ray. Well done. What do the rest of us do? Call the doctor. That's right. We call the doctor. Now, that's a good thing to do, right? Calling a doctor, isn't it? I mean, doctors can be very helpful, can't they? They don't answer the phone. They don't answer the phone. Well, yeah, they don't always answer the phone, but they can be helpful. And But knowing what medical care looked like in, back in the first century, I can see why James didn't give that as his first recommendation, was to call the doctor, right? You know, oh, yeah, doctor, I got a headache. Oh, we'll just open that head right up and fix you right up. No. But for us today, we live in a world in which we have very advanced medical care, medical care, in which calling the doctor can at times result in us being healed and restored back to complete health. So do James's words still apply to us? When we get sick, should we call for other people to pray for us? Yes. What do you think? Yes. yes. Just like Ray. We should call. As he said, he called the church when he gets sick. That's what we should do as well. And we should support one another by praying for each other. When you are sick, we want to pray for you. When I am sick, I want you to pray for me. That's what we do is we pray for each other. And not just people in this church, but outside in the world as well. We pray for them because we believe that prayer is effectual. James, though, is pointing to a mindset or a worldview that is in some ways challenged by our modern worldview. In the modern world, um, we often focus on personal solutions to problems, right? If I'm feeling bored, I'll go and um, get on the internet, right? There's always something entertaining on YouTube, right? But does that solve my problem? No, I guess it's a temporary fix, but I'll get bored of that pretty soon, too. If I am sad, I'll eat ice cream. Right? Does that solve my problem? Temporarily, maybe. For the first few bites, it seems to. But then it presents to me a larger problem in the future, right? If I solve all my problems with ice cream, then eventually I've got more problems that I have to deal with. Right? 
We often do this, though. If I'm feeling a little sad, maybe I'll buy something. We have these ways of these ways that we kind of give ourselves therapy, but they're ineffective. But James presents a model which is different. His model is that God is not the last ditch effort, the last resort when doctors can't fix us, when the world offers us no solution, when we're at the end of our rope, when we've hit rock bottom in our addiction. God is not just there. According to James, God is the first, the middle, and the last. He is in all of it. As Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. God is there. And James is saying, look, God should not just be the last thing you think about, but the first. We should talk to God about these things. Okay, and then he tells us, the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up, and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Now this verse gives assurance that the prayers of the faithful are effectual. They actually do carry out what they are purposed to do. That when we pray for something in the economy of God, it is taken care of. Now, does this mean, though, that everybody who gets prayed for gets healed? No. No. It doesn't. Not everyone. I wish it did. I wish it was really simple, 100% solution all the time. You said a prayer, everything was taken care of, nothing in the future would happen. But that's not the way it always works. Now, does this mean, though, that if my, if my faith is, if somebody doesn't get healed, is it my fault because I didn't believe enough? No. No, it doesn't mean that either, which sometimes the world likes to say is that, oh, if you prayed for somebody and it didn't work, it didn't take, it's because you didn't believe enough, right? That's not true either. James is not saying that. And it's interesting because it seems as though, in the, according to this verse, that the person being prayed, prayed for doesn't even need to believe in God to be healed. Right? It's the prayer of, it's the faith of the prayer that's significant. If you'll remember, remember in Jesus' ministry, one day he's in this really crowded house. Right? And he is there and surrounded by people so that um, nobody can get in or out. I mean, it's just packed in there. The whole house is packed. And some guys carry their friend up to the roof, and they pull the tiles aside, and they lower him down. He's paralyzed. They lower him down on his mat, and Jesus heals him. The first thing that he does is he forgives his sins, and then he heals him. And it seems to be that it's because of the faith of the friends that this man is healed and saved. It seems that James has that situation in mind as he describes to us the prayers of the faithful and what they can do. Spiritually, when we pray for somebody, when we lift them up to God, we're like those friends carrying that mat to the house, pulling the the roof tiles away, and lowering that person down into the very presence of God and asking the Lord to heal them and to save them. That's what James seems to have in mind, is that image. Now, you probably picked this up when we read the passage, 
But the word choice in this verse we've just been discussing is really interesting. We're told the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. Now, when I read that in my mind, I translated save to heal. Did you do that too? So for me, it was the prayer of faith will heal the sick. Because that's what sick people want, right? We'll we'll heal them, right? But it's not what the Greek word is. This word in Greek is a really fascinating word. It's called sozo, which it means both to heal and to save. Both of those meanings are wrapped up in this one word, to heal and to save. And we see this dual definition of sozo lived out by Jesus, who came and he healed and he saved. Both of them were present in the person of Jesus Christ. So we're told that if we pray for a person, they can be healed saved. Healed saved. And the second part of this phrase tells us that the Lord will raise them up, which brings in another dual meaning as well. Right? Because there's two ways we can raise up, that God can raise up a person. Aren't there? Like, remember when he healed the little girl? He said, little girl, get up. And he took her by the hand and lifted her up so we can physically lift somebody up or God can physically lift somebody up. What's the other way that God can lift somebody up? In the resurrection. Exactly, into eternal life. So that has the salvation element. So we have both the healing and the salvation present in both parts of this verse. The prayer of the faith, of the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. Now the second part of this verse draws our attention to an element that many struggle with and have for long, long periods of time. It says anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Now sometimes people get in their minds that if a person is sick, it's because of something they've done. Right, and sometimes this is true. Sometimes it's very, like, linearly true. Like, um, you know, you can drink yourself to death, right? Yeah. That's one of those where you're like, oh, A follows B, or B follows A, or it should follow A. Um, so, and, but other times it's not so linear. Sometimes we are sick because of something we've done. Sometimes we have sin in our life, and that is being, God is getting our attention by allowing us to be sick, and it's, to like refocus us back on himself. Sometimes that's the case. But is that always the case? No, no not at all. Sometimes we're sick just because we're sick. Because we live in a broken and fallen world which is full of sickness. And our bodies are tending towards disorder. Entropy has a hold of us. And they start to fall apart. I mean, I'm 42, right? I know this falling apart thing. Right? You know? When you get to be my age, just, you know, the lily fades, right? There we go. So there's no formula for this. We can't say if A, then B. We can't always do that, right? We can't look at somebody who's suffering and say, ah, you screwed up. You'd be healthy like me if you behaved as well as me, right? Is that what we can say? No, we can't say that. That's wrong. That is wrong, and it's easy to say it's wrong. And so we can't be formulaic about this. It's important for us to remember that there is no necessarily easy-to-follow pattern. And so it's important, then, to constantly be seeking the Lord in His forgiveness. Because do we have things 
that we need to be forgiven of? Yes, and I'm always generating more material. So I need to constantly be seeking the Lord for forgiveness. Right? So that I am reconciled to Him. So that He is not trying to get my attention through extreme means. Because my attention is already His. James is telling us that when someone prays for us to be healed, our sins will be forgiven. And that is good news. And unexpected and shocking news. I find this passage totally shocking. I have to tell you, as I was preparing for this, it just does not follow the traditional formula of like, confess Jesus Christ as Lord, turn over your sins to him, receive his grace and salvation, and be promised eternal life. It doesn't follow that same pattern. James messes it all up for me. And I'm a little upset with him because it makes it hard. But it's radical what he's saying. It's radical what he's saying because he's saying you, you by the grace of God, have the power to save, heal people and to be, and to forgive them of their sins through your prayers. That is a profound statement by James. He continues by saying, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Confess and pray. Let the sins of your life be turned over to God. And if you're directed and led by him, confess those to another person and hear the forgiveness of God from another person. Also, if you'll notice in this verse, is that prayer is spreading out beyond just the elders. He doesn't say confess your sins to the elders. And the elders will pray for you, but confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. This ministry is not one which is reserved for a small group of people in, in, you know, rarefied air in the church, but rather for all of us. All of us who confess Christ as Lord have this ministry before us. It's been given into our hands. And we have an opportunity to be a part of God's salvation work in someone's life. Now, at this point, we've covered a lot of material, and we haven't even covered this whole passage from James. And we're not going to, because I I want you to be able to get out of here by lunch, or by dinner, actually, if we were going to really give it a thorough treatment. But we've spoken about some complicated concepts. And unfortunately, I've only been able to give them the briefest of examinations. I'm sorry about that. But the resounding point of this passage of James is the call to invite others into our sickness, into our neediness, to invite others into that for prayer and also to pray for others because our prayers are capable of accomplishing more than we could ever possibly imagine. James challenges us with a worldview which looks to God first and second and third and fourth and fifth and last. A worldview which is completely infused with the presence and the seeking of God. Now, as I was walking with this family, this family up to death, I continued to pray for miraculous healing because why not, right? Why not? 
Why not pray that God would do something completely miraculous in this lady's life? And the reality is, is he did. Sure, she died, right? That prayer for her life to be healed and to have many more decades here on this world with us, that prayer was not answered. But a greater prayer was answered, right? Because she was, she, through the grace of God, moved close to God through this process. She moved close to him and was reaching out to him and asking the Lord to take her fear, to take her anxieties, and to show her how to come to him, how to get into his presence in eternal life. And that, that was something I got to be a part of and to see her drawn to the Lord to see her delivered from the bonds of death and into eternal life, which is a healing which can never be taken away from her. You and I, we have a tremendous opportunity in this world. Tremendous opportunity in a world in which so few people have a really deep or profound or articulated relationship with God. We have an opportunity to bless and to heal, to like those friends, pull the tiles off on the roof and lower our the people we know and care about, and even those we don't care about, to lower them down into the presence of God through prayer. And through the grace of God, to save others from eternal suffering. May we do so with our eyes on the Savior, who died to make this work possible. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for being a God of grace and mercy and love. Thank you, Lord God, for the hope and the peace and the reconciliation which James offers us in this passage. Thank you that it defies our standards and it defies our narrow view, narrow way of viewing the process of salvation. Thank you, Lord God, that it offers a way which is so open and which we get to be a part of. Lord, help us. Help us to not hide this tremendous gift we've been given. Lord, you have given us the keys to the kingdom. May we not just ferret them away in a drawer, but may we use them to open the drawer or to open the door of eternal life for all sorts of people, Lord. Give us compassionate and willing hearts and make us people who are willing to walk this journey, this journey towards eternal life with others. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen.